ready. This is Alex J. Aguiar. Are you ready to pod? Let's go again. Quiet, please. Ready. Today we're talking about an unexpected love. And the reason why I want you guys to hear the story is because no matter what situation life hits you with, at the end of the day, you're going to look back and see that it was all for a reason. Here's my interview with Anna Calvo. Reddick. Glad you're here because this is going to help a lot of people that hear your story. Mm-hmm. And um, it has to do with... My daughter and my grand- granddaughter. Never expected to be raising a baby girl at this time of your life. No, I did not. Um, you know, I had already uh, researched a second career. I had retired from my educational job. I was moving to California, and then my daughter um, got pregnant. I was about 49. 49. Ready to move to California, start a new chapter in your life. Mm-hmm. You have raised how many children? You have look 49. <laughs> she sure does it. And you're a single mother and you have raised four children and everything. But now people are probably wondering, why is it that you have to raise the granddaughter now? Okay, so this is the the part that's difficult for me to talk about. My daughter uh, always had issues growing up. She never made friends. Uh, For me, it was like putting a puzzle together at about 13, 14, 15 uh, I thought she was going through like um, a teenage phase where, you know, she's rebellious and, you know, uh, challenging her, her, her mother, her parents, and it sort of like never ended. <laughs> I'm still going through, through that with her. So um, that is my daughter. So she didn't, yeah, she didn't get pregnant at 16. She didn't get pregnant at 15, but she got pregnant at um, 27, it wasn't the first time. The first time I handled it. So you had to have an abortion? Yes. Right. And that's difficult for me and with my beliefs. I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not a saint, but it, I have a hard time uh, guiding somebody to do that. Take us to when you both had that moment where you had a talk with her and you decided to... Um, to keep the baby you guys both decided that you were going to keep the baby i ended up uh, it was an emergency i ended up leaving work um and uh okay so i'm gonna i'm just gonna be honest so um she was living with my ex-husband at the time I walked in and I had never been there, but it's fine. And she had a black eye. And I hadn't said this to anybody. Uh, And basically, you know, she said that she was pregnant and I was at a loss for words. I couldn't believe it. And I just asked her, so you really think you're, you're going to be able to you know, do something with this baby because I wasn't about to take responsibility for another termination. At some point, she has to make a choice. And if this was going to be a choice in her life that was going to make a difference, then that was going to be the choice. Why did she have a black eye? 
Um, she said she was in a bar brawl. That's the explanation she gave me. You know, I am not sure of that. I don't know if I, I'm not sure. I don't know what the end result was. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I can't, I can't give you a definitive answer on that. Here, moving to Los Angeles, what did you know that you, in your, you just knew that you're just going to have to change your life right now from this point on? Um, I did. I eliminated my relationship, which was difficult at that moment. It turned out to be the right thing to do. I, I needed support from my family. I was not going to be able to do this by myself. That was a difficult thing for me to do. Um, I, I had tried to be very independent up until that point. Explain to us those nine months before Nia was born. So the only times that I saw my daughter was when I took her to her... Um, maternity appointments and it was a situation that um it was new to both of us and she hadn't lived with me in a long time so i would leave work without people knowing i would take her to her appointments i would come back to work so you had it all under the wraps you didn't let anybody know outside of your close family members nobody knew my close family family members did not know until she was seven months pregnant Thankfully, they were just there for me and they have been there for me. This whole time, I was, I felt disconnected from my daughter because I had only taken to her to her appointments and she wasn't very receptive with me. I mean, I, I, I would say that there was some uh, tension where I wouldn't want to approach certain subjects because of certain ways that she would react. But you could say she actually feel that your daughter has a, a personality disorder that, and she wouldn't be able to raise the baby. At that time, I had no idea. You know, I had my doubts, but I said, okay, maybe something will click. Maybe, you know, somewhere along this journey for her, something will click, and it didn't. So those were a very tough nine months. Now, Everything that's difficult in life and, and that challenges us turns out to be the light of life at the end of the day. So tell us right now and explain to us what was it like that moment when you first saw your granddaughter for the very first time? What I remember the most was the doctors pulling me into the operating room and saying, you are going to come in here and you have to be here for your daughter. My daughter didn't say anything, but the doctors did. So I, I'm, I get pulled in and I just remember putting all the, you know, the garb on and everything and praying. And I always tell all my friends that I have the faith of a mustard seed. If you know what that means, it means that you have very little faith <laughs> in God. Um, and I just remember praying to God saying, please let me love this child because I felt very disconnected from everything that had to do with her. And of course, the minute I saw her, and I was the first one to see her, you know, was, it was, for me, it was glorious. And of course, I'm a baby person. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, it, it, it was, was like a, a switch. I'm reliving it, as you can tell, you know, from the interview. <laughs> So tell us, tell us that moment that you first saw her. You, it was just a switch inside of you that thought everything differently. Um, yeah, I loved her right away. 
and then they, you know, they cleaned her up and I talked to her and she listened to me and she looked at me and, and it was great. It was beautiful. And I didn't expect that at all to happen. So, and then they put her on her mom and, you know, it was beautiful as well. And it was fine. When I started noticing a little, a few little, you know, things was when I, the, the basic questions that they ask in a questionnaire. Oh, so yeah, two mothers. I can't remember specifically. And she would look at me. I would say I would respond to the question. At this moment, you have this joy of seeing your granddaughter. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And you're also witnessing at the same time that, you know, your daughter's not going to be able to take care of this girl. You are now knowing in your heart that you're going to have to take over the, this baby's life. But I still wasn't. No. No, st not right after the birth? No. No. I mean, I was trying to be the best support that I could, but trying to let her handle it. Kind of like testing her to see how far... I wasn't testing her. Were you in denial? You knew already, but no, you were No, I wasn't in denial. I was trying to let her be a mother. She's, you know, 27, 20s, yeah, 27 years old. And, you know, I, I just was trying to let her be a mother. But, um, you know, she's a very different person than I am. She doesn't... She's just not responsible and not capable. I think it's a little of both. And it's hard for me to say that, but I think it's a little of both. They're both very different things. Being not responsible and being not capable are two very different things. So I think it's a little of both. When, when you're going through something like this, I don't like to talk about it because it, it makes me sad to have to say something, you know, that's not nice about my daughter. It, it makes me sad. I'm the type of person that, that prefers to um, be silent when I'm processing things. I, I am not a good communicator when I am in the midst of chaos. And all of my energy goes to what I am dealing with um, in order to keep my own sanity and in order to maintain my family. Um, but I say that again to say that, you know, each time I had some expectation, each time I had some hope, I'm the primary caretaker. Right now. Of Mia, yeah. Okay. Which I, I did not expect. As grandparents in the state of Florida, we have no rights. So unless you get full custody of that child and something drastic ha happens, you know, you, can't, you have no rights. So when was the moment that you knew you were going to be the prime caretaker of Nia? Yesterday. <laughs> every day, every day I think something's going to click. <laughs> Guess what clicked? You did. Exactly. But every day it's like something I'm like, every day I tell myself, okay, there's something wrong with her. My daughter, yeah. not Nia. There's something wrong with her. There's some, every day there's something. All right, so it's been three years now. Now through the process of the three years that you've been taking care of Nia, tell us what that journey has been like for you and what has it done for your life? Okay, so first of all, not because of Nia, not because of the baby, but because of living, I live with my daughter. Um, it has been one of the most difficult things that I have ever done. I never expected to be in this situation. 
I thought my life was going to be different. I, I stopped working. I focused on when I saw that things were like uh, funky, I focused on the baby. I have sought um, legal advice, which I have not completely taken. Uh, I had an opportunity and I did not use that opportunity. Sent her away for three months for having a dependency on drugs, thinking that once she got back, that um, she was going to... Click. Yeah, click. She didn't click. She didn't click. The non-clicker, is she? She's a non-clicker. She's a non-clicker. So have you learned your lesson about trying to wait for her to click? Yeah, I have. Okay. And and it's it's sort of, it's sad. You sort of like become a little bit detached from your emotions. She's my daughter. She makes me crazy. And it's not that I don't love her, but she makes me that crazy. So what I what I started doing was focusing on what I could control. And the only thing I can control is my actions and helping Nia. Now tell me, what has it been like, your love for Nia, these three years? Um, she's my granddaughter, but she's really like my daughter. I'm, I'm, I'm having, I, I have a child, which I kind of like felt that day that she was born. It was interesting. I felt a, a very special connection right away. She's brought my family really closer together. It's taught me how to ask for help, which is very difficult for me, and how to accept help. So looking back at everything right now, at everything that's happened in your life. Are you thankful you're not in California and you're still in Miami? Yes, I'm very thankful. If I would have been there, I have a feeling I would have had to come back. <laughs> I I wouldn't have stayed. Um, I I would have needed a support group because this would have happened anyway. Um, but it happened when it had to happen because life is funny that way, right? No, no, no. It's amazing. No, no, no. That That is part of... I always say... The universe does for you what you cannot do for yourself. If you don't adapt to the changes that come in your life, you die. And that's what happens to people. And here's where I was going. I was going to ask you, what advice do you have for those moms out there? Okay. Um, so what I have to say is do what you have to do, but always prioritize what is the most important, which is... Um, I would say the innocent child. Um, and it's not always easy to to do the the daily mundane things because not everybody lives with their daughter that is dysfunctional or that doesn't function on a normal you know level, but um, you do what you have to do to maintain some function in the family. Nia loves her mother, you know, and I am just there to support that. That's what I tell myself every day. And uh, you are there because you are keeping a balance between both of them that, that's very well needed. And Nia, 20 years from now, will probably, probably be listening to this podcast. What would you tell her? Um that her mother loves her no matter what, that she will have to come up to, with her own conclusions. But up, as far as me, I was only trying to support the relationship between her and her mother in the best way that I knew how in the moment. And how much did you fall in love with her? 
Oh my God, she's. I think she's like the daughter I didn't have. She is the daughter I didn't have. Ready. Listen up, potheads. Now's your chance to be on the pod. If you have a story, say it right here. Go to podwithme.com. Fill out the PR guest form and submit. Very easy, right? Oh, and before I forget, go ahead and follow us on social media. The links to Facebook and Instagram are right there. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm Alex J. Aguiar, and until next time, don't fall off the pod.